you have to decide that you're in this. You cannot do this one foot in, one foot out. It's either do or do not. There's no try. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times given us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price super important. You can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast and we don't get into that fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we have an investor who is fixing and flipping and has experience managing a whole bunch of doors and property management. How you doing, Omar Merced? I'm doing great, Joe. Uh, I want to start by thanking you for this offer and commend you on the longest running daily podcast. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. It is two years of running, and I also want to commend you, my friend, on serving our country. I know, based on your bio, you joined the Army at 17 years old and served 16 years. I have great respect for those who served in the military, so thank you, sir, for that. Well, thank you very much. The real heroes are out there still today, out there doing their duty. A little bit more about Omar. He is an agent with Real Estate Wishes. He started investing in real estate in 2012, buying a fourplex. He bought his second investment property on eBay, and he became an agent in 2009, got into property management, managing over a 1,000 doors. Now he's focused on flipping houses, and he's going to move into multifamily next year, based in Las Vegas, Nevada. With that being said, Omar, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, absolutely. Well, I began actually in 2002. I was shopping for a house and passed by a for sale by owner fourplex. And I parked in front of it and a light went off and I bought it. And that was just the beginning journey. Now that was in 2002. And so the next property, I got the bug right after that. And I was on eBay shopping for something else. And I went to real estate and I ended up buying a townhome out of Dayton, Ohio for about 6000 back then. And I bought it without even thinking about it. I bought it and it really started my journey in real estate investing. 
that was pre-bubble, so did pretty well before that. And then after the crash, kind of lost everything, lost my win. I became an agent, became a realtor, worked with investor mainly. That turned into property management, and then that got bigger and bigger. Ended up working for a large multifamily owner, loved it, and worked my way up managing over a 1,000 doors for a big hedge funds. That ended and I decided to get back into flipping and get back into my goal next year is to get into multifamily. That is my end goal to own as many multifamily units, something like you. Just be like you, Joe. (laughs) Careful what you wish for. You are in flipping now. You were in property management, managing over a thousand doors. What type of properties were those? The thousand doors were actually single family homes. It was actually a lot more management intensive than managing a few properties, as you say. Mm -hmm. I had two managers and obviously their staff, and it was just a great learning experience. And I do appreciate that. It didn't work out because their goals weren't aligned with my goals, but it was for the best. It was an ends to a mean. It was on my path to learn multifamily management from the inside out. And now that I have that experience, it's going to do great for me when I come by through the owner side. What are some things that you learned? Oh my gosh, I don't think we have enough time, Joe. Uh, I think property managers are severely underappreciated in the industry, not only single family, but the multifamily. I think property management is the key to your success in multifamily. Their ability to manage that property efficiently and happy to do it will provide some results that are You know, I look back at the numbers of, uh, I managed a 256 unit was my first kind of big one. And I looked at the numbers before when I first started and my numbers a couple years later. And it was amazing that, of course, the market has a lot to do with it. But our reputation and the staff and the running of the property really shined. And I think it's something to take into account when you're looking into the multifamily investing arena is, is getting that right property management part down and done well. Because with a good property manager, I always say it's like the E-method. You leave for a year, you come back, your property should be better than you left it. Or in this case, the business or property. Totally agree. And uh, so you definitely address the need for a good property management company. Let's drill down though. We need to get into some specifics. You were managing a lot of units Give us some pointers, something that you learned that you didn't know prior to doing the management. That way we can benefit from your experience. Okay, so take example turns or make readies, however you want to call it. Basically, when the house or the apartment is emptied and you are going to turn it again, having the clear communication with your maintenance managers or your rehab crew, having a very clear definition of what rent ready is to that member is essential to get that property turned around as quickly as possible. You leave things up to their imagination or their guessing or they think this is what you want. It doesn't come out as a product that you want. So you want to be very specific as far as what is rent ready, what is make ready, depending on who you're talking to. Another good one is, wow, customer service. There's so many places that you go and they forget and this is something I remind all my investors is you forget that these tenants, and I, we like to call them residents in the apartment industry, these residents are the reason you are able to make the money that you make. So why not treat them with the utmost respect and try to work through 
a lot of these sometimes petty issues that they bring to resolve it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And at the end of the day, you try to make them happy. Of course, you cannot make everybody happy. There's actually some crazy people out there who <laughs> haven't met them already. Yep. But you do your best. And the reason that I think the apartments that I was running was successful and we pushed the rent a lot was because our customer service was unsurpassed. We went above and beyond. And I think if you can instill that into the property management group or you know whatever you're using, I think that's a great point that you can bring up to them. What's one way that you or your team went above and beyond on customer service? One that comes to mind quickly is there was an elderly lady that was staying at our home and she wanted to move to a first floor for obvious reasons. And she couldn't really find the people to help her move. Now, if you talk to any corporate people, they're going to tell you, stay away from that, stay away from that, stay away from that. But all we really did was just coordinate, find somebody good and reliable and just coordinated that help her move from upstairs to downstairs. That was it. And she could not stop talking about how amazing that was to her. Someone that didn't have anybody to look for that the staff actually came in, looked at it, interviewed a couple people and said, okay, based on our things, this is what we suggest, of course. And then we have to disclose that this is not part of the property management, blah, blah, blah. But just doing little things like that, we've helped people from help take groceries to their cars. If I'm walking around the property and I see somebody with some groceries, I say, hey, do you mind? I'll help you out. And they usually say no. I help them out. And just those little touches that in a large apartment community, that's like a small town. And if you treat people with that small town mentality of helping each other out and trying to make somebody's life a little bit better that day, it just goes a long way. We were the highest rated community at the end of my term. We were the highest rated community on the can't remember the website, but there's a lot of the apartmentratings.com or mm-hmm. like that. Wow. That's tough to get too because you get one disgruntled resident and then they'll go online and write something. And Absolutely. You never get the nice ones uh, to good on there. Most times it's the angry ones, but you do enough good and you just remind them every once in a while, hey, if you just say you like the service, let us know. Mm-hmm. That's great stuff. Thanks for telling a couple of stories. Going back to having clear communication with the rehab crew on what needs to be done, and in particular, how you're defining what a make-ready is. There are a lot of things you do on a make-ready or on a unit turn. What's maybe one thing or multiple things, whatever comes to mind, that definitely needs to be defined? Like, hey, hey, hey. This aspect of the turn needs to be this way because there's a lot of room for interpretation. Absolutely. It's the level of craftsmanship that you expect. And so what I've done, so now that I flip homes, in essence, all I've done was take the structure that the apartment homes have in their make ready. And I've just replicated that for the homes that I'm doing. And that level of craftsmanship, they know what nice is to them, but not to you. You understand? Yep. So I would say, for example, on paint and trim and, and things like that, you just have to be very clear. So for example, on the paint, something as simple as cutting lines. They need to be nicely cut lines. And then when people are laying tile, I say straight lines and clean cuts. And believe it or not, those little things, if you pay attention to those things, they will do better on those things. So we have very clear expectations, the cleaners. When I go through the cleaners, the first time that we meet, I go and I walk them through everything, like every windowsill, every ledge, every hinge, 
everything needs to be touched. Everything needs to be clean. If you need us to take apart the front of the stove because it's in between the glass, we'll take out the stove. So it's just being very meticulous. And once you establish that, and it takes a while to develop that relationship, but once you do, it's just kind of smooth sailing. It just makes a better relationship for the future because they know exactly what to expect. So when you go back to the property and it's not as you expect, you call them up and you say, hey, you know what I'm expecting and this is not it. Please come and fix it. And I guess don't be so cheap that you don't want to pay them for what you're expecting, right? Yeah, that's a good counterpoint, right? We got to add that in there. Not counterpoint, but just addition onto that. Absolutely. And once you get that rhythm going, oh, it's just amazing. I go in, I do the punch list, I post a punch list, and then that's it. I go back maybe every couple of weeks just to make sure that the progress is going as on schedule, just to make sure and to check in. But besides that, my crews know that what I expect and how the properties, and I have to say that right now, my flips are some of the, what I would consider true flips. We replace and we do everything and, and they're really nice. I mean, I get a lot of compliments on the product and that in turn gives me more investors and that in turn gives me more buyers. You treat everybody well, you expect a lot out of people, but you pay them for what you expect, and it just kind of snowballs to get better and better. Mm. Do you use the same crew that you were working with on the apartment stuff on your fix and flips? I do not, but all I did was take the model that I learned, the multifamily turns. They have systems. I feel a lot of times a lot of the flip investors are obviously reinventing something that's already been done. I've taken a lot of cues from the multifamily arena. I'll tell you that it was one of the big disconnects I had with the hedge fund is that they were trying to reinvent something. And I said, you know, multifamily has been around for a long time and they got it dialed in. Uh They know how to do, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars invested in all these companies. They know what to do. So instead of trying to remake something, I say, use what's there already and just fine tune it to your business. That is perfect advice, but I'm going to ask you the question. Anyway, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I run the Sun City RIA, Real Estate Investor Association, and I get that question a lot. And I think is you have to decide that you're in this. You cannot do this one foot in, one foot out. It's either do or do not. There's no try. Yeah, yeah. I love that. (laughs) And I use that a lot. I think you have to decide that this is it. A year ago when that job didn't work out, I decided, I was like, okay, I'm back in this game because I know what I'm doing. And I let go of that security of that salary that I had gotten accustomed to for the last couple of years. And I was like, I'll do fine. I've decided this is it. And I just dived in head first. And I have to say that it was absolutely the best decision or circumstances that happened to me. And I was just been blessed and lucky and everything, as you know, it just kind of snowballs and gets better and better. And I tell people I flip properties in Vegas to invest in multifamily. And that's all I do. I don't do anything else. And, and I get offers for other things. And I'm like, nope, it's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to do it. I have that focus, that laser focus flip to invest in multifamily. I want to automate my business a little bit more so that I can focus more on the multifamily next year. And I hope after next year that I leave for a year, I come back to my flipping business and it's better than I left it. What's one thing that you've done to try to implement that vision? I just finally got to a point where I can no longer handle the paperwork. So I have hired somebody to start doing all the paperwork 
and I grew it like that on purpose. I want it to grow organically. I want it to grow to a point where I can no longer handle one task and then give that task away. So the paperwork for me is, as you know, a lot of us entrepreneurs, the paperwork is horrible. It's misery to sit there and make sure that everything's up to speed. And so I finally delegated that. My next step, after we get to about seven flips a month, I want to hire the acquisitions manager. And then after acquisitions, then I'm going to get a project manager. And then after that, a listing agent. And then I think that those four people can replace what I do. You said when you get to seven flips a month, how many are you at right now? Right now, I'm at about three to four of averaging in the last six months. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com. Omar, what's the best ever book you've read? Uh, Richest Man in Babylon. Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? Almost losing everything. That humbled me, and it made me realize not to speculate and to be a little bit smarter when you invest. Best ever deal you've done? I recently had a deal that we purchased for around 60. We put in 20 and I listed it on the first day at 140 and I had multiple offers over list. So we're going to close around 146. I didn't do the numbers yet, but I think that's for me and my investors. We're at a almost 100% return. It's, it's ridiculous. You mentioned you and your investors. How do you structure it with your investors? Every investor is very specific. Some investors are looking for their preferred rate. Some investors want to be a little bit more active. It depends on how active or passive. We do partner our equity share, usually anywhere from 25 to 50%, depending on the scope of the project and what's involved. But really, the investors don't do anything except be the bank. So it's a pretty good deal for them. What is the best ever way you like to give back? That's a great question. I've modeled my business for us to give back 10% of all uh, net proceeds to different charities and different events. And we like to do a lot of stuff. We do it under the radar, so we want people to know what we do, right? But, but we do give back a lot, and we do it in interesting ways. Sometimes we go to grocery stores. Sometimes we go to department stores, just different ways of giving back, surprising, because I really believe if you can just touch one person and make them just happy for that moment, hopefully pay it forward. But we have some really big plans in 2017 on giving lots of lots of money away. With the grocery store example, how does that play out? You have to go and you talk to the grocery store manager the way we've done it, and we come in and, for example, We'll say, hey, here's $1,000. We'd like to give $100 out to every person that has a bill close to $100 and let the cashiers and them randomly select the people. And you actually need to probably get some recordings of it, but really it's not about that, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's more just about doing it and knowing that it's done. 
And the grocery store manager, they call back and they're really happy in it because it really, it changed the whole mood of the store. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're trying different things and I would love to go out there and do more. But honestly, I think I could serve the people just making money and giving it to them and having them do better things with it. If you were magically given three hours extra a day and you had to spend it in your business, what's the best ever way you'd spend those three hours? Oh, reading books. I used to be kind of a jerk back in the day when I was doing really well for myself and losing everything. And the only thing that saved me were books and reading and reading and reading. And I'm a big advocate. I try to read two books a month. It really just opens your horizon. So books and meeting people. I've had some great relationships over this last year. A six-year-old girl, and I, and I try to emulate her. She just goes up and says, hi, my name is Chloe. What's your name? And, oh, do you like this and that? And, and honestly, that's where I go. And I used to hate networking, but now I just go and I try to make friends. And it just is so much better if you just go and try to make friends. And the business just kind of follows. It really does. It, it just really does. People like to do business with the people they like, know, and trust, right? So if they like you and you like to get along, it's great. It's all mumbo jumbo if you ask me, but it works. That's the same approach I take when I go to an event. I never, ever do a shotgun approach with a business card. My goal is to make one, maybe two new friends from that event, even if it's a weekend long conference. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? And I think you mentioned it earlier, but maybe you got something better. Well, I'll give you a very recent experience in this last year. I lost $13,000 to a scam and actually posted it on one of those real estate sites. I got excited about a deal. I put out a call for funding. Someone contacted me. Man, he was good. Honestly, you could have just done this for real and you would make so much more money. (laughs) The documentation was good. The LLCs checked out, this the other. And I got suckered into this big deal that I had. It was just going to be payday, right? And he told me, well, we need to send some money for the appraisal and this and that. And, you know, it made sense. It wasn't nothing very crazy. So he asked me for a little bit of money and I sent it. And it was like, okay, great. Okay, well, we need to see the funds for the rehab and this. And I was like, okay, great. I sent him the proof. He was like, okay, perfect. I was like, um, please wire this amount to fund the deal. And I was so excited. It didn't dawn on me. And I was like, well, who's this? And he was like, oh, our lawyer over here. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wired the money. And then as soon as I pressed that send, it just kind of was like, what? Hold on. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and so then... I'm going to tell you that it's hard to try to get that money back. I ended up not getting it back. So it was a $13,000 lesson, but I did do everything. I reported to the FBI. I reported everybody I did, but at the end of the day, it was lost. So it was just a good tuition. And so what I did with that experience is I posted it on bigger pockets and I just warned everybody. And I think I saved some people some money. And Mm -hmm. just with that, I pushed him out of the site. But it was one of those things. You got caught up in the moment. It's just everything is going good, and you, and you trust too much in a certain person. And I got took. But that wasn't the bad part. The bad part was telling my wife. Oh. Uh, yeah. But it all worked out because it comes and goes. As I use an analogy, even the best winning sports team, no matter how good you are, they're going to eventually have lost. So you can't expect any different in real estate investing. This was avoidable, but it just woke me up again to say, hey, you need to slow down. Let's take a look and make sure everything is good. And I've made that money back 10 times. So it's not a big deal. But yeah, to somebody that was starting out, it would have been devastating, right? Absolutely. It would have been a a bigger character building experience than perhaps that person would have wanted to come across. But 
having the right mentality and reading all those books like you do, then they would have been able to overcome it. Joe, before I go, I wanted to mention, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I have a, a Sin City Ria is a, a group that I started recently here in Las Vegas, and it's just growing like wildfire. But there's one thing about this group is we don't do sales pitches. We don't do anything like that. And we voted and we're going to do a group flip. So as a real estate group or investment group, we're trying to get all the legalities out of it. The attorney's going crazy, but we're trying to figure it out to do a fund. They're going to put their money in and then they're going to do C like A through Z, how to do the flip. And then obviously we're going to try to make money on it. And then we're going to make money and then disperse it back. And I haven't seen that model around. I don't know if you've had, but I want to be the first group to do that because I just think it's an awesome learning experience because I think you'll learn a lot more even if you have a thousand dollars in deal I think you'll be paying attention a lot better and what other seminar that you put in money and you get money back as profit mm-hmm. but I just wanted to put that out there so I think there's a cool experience that I really want to teach people what we're doing because as you said before there's no way you can do it all I mean there's so much out there that I want to come from a place of abundance and not scarcity and on that note, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? My website, realestatewishes.com. Also, my email is omar at realestatewishes. And if you're ever in Vegas, please hit me up. I love to meet with anybody. And it doesn't have to be about real estate. I learn things from people every day. Every person I meet, I learn something. So if anybody's in town, hit me up. I swear, we'll make the effort. Meet with you, grab a coffee, grab lunch, even go clubbing if you like that. <laughs> Who wouldn't take up that invite and that opportunity to go clubbing with you? Omar, thank you for being on the show. Really enjoyed and learned a lot. The takeaways I got from it, one is when you got specific on these clear communication plans for the make readies on the turns and the paint and trim and the cleaners, walking them through everything. Also, the level of customer service that is at the highest rated communities in the areas. I assume it's not just your area that you're in, but any city. These are some things you can do. I'm just going the extra mile. As you said, I mean, it kind of sounds hokey pokey, but the sad thing is it's just not done enough. And when we do it, we stand out. That's really what it boils down to. So taking groceries to cars, helping an elderly move if needed. Make sure we have the proper disclosures, disclaimers, and legal documents in place. Because we do live in a litigious society, but doing those things and going the extra mile, as well as the scam where you lost 13K, given a cautionary tale there, and many other lessons learned along the way. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Omar, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for all of this. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com.